Apparently, you are unaware of the fact that we're studying a new study this evening in the book of Numbers. There is no way you would be here if the word got out. It's the book of Numbers. Don't you get it? Who studies the book of Numbers? We do. Uh, because God included it in the Bible. You approach it with a presupposition, and that is that it is profitable because it's inspired scripture. And so all that's in the book of Numbers is in the book of Numbers for a reason. And we're going to find that out uh, by God's grace as we go through this book over the next three to four years. (laughs) Speaking of numbers. Um, Moses wrote it, by the way. Did you know that? I mean, God inspired him to, but Moses was the human agency. Uh, in fact, you will see Moses is, is probably the principal character in the book of Numbers being mentioned in just about every chapter, with the exclusion of perhaps two or three. Uh, Moses is credited with writing not just this book, but the first five books of the Old Testament. What are they called, the first five books? The Pentateuch or the Torah, the Torah in Hebrew, Pentateuch for five, like Pentagon. So this would be the fourth book in the Pentateuch. If you go to your table of contents, you will see it listed as such. First is Genesis, and then there's Exodus, and then Leviticus, and the fourth book book will be labeled Numbers. You might be surprised, as I was, as I began to study this, to find out that that is not its original meaning. Numbers. In fact, there was a time centuries ago when the Old Testament, which was written in what language originally? Hebrew, was translated so that other people, non-Hebrew speakers, could read it. This is a good thing. So the first translation of the Old Testament was from Hebrew to, this is a tough question, what language? To Greek, Hebrew to Greek. In fact, it was called the Septuagint because about 70 Septuagint, about 70 translators translated the Old Testament books from Hebrew, their original language, to Greek. And in the process of doing their translation work, which is really marvelous, by the way, I'm not knocking it in any way, uh, they came upon the book of Numbers, which at the time was really labeled differently. But they saw that it was uh, laden with all kinds of numbers. Numbers about how many people made up each of the tribes of Israel. Numbers about how many priests there were, how many Levites, how many children they had. No, no, no. Numbers. And so they named it in Greek, arithmoi, which sounds like arithmetic or numbers. And so that name, done by the Greek translators of the Old Testament, has stuck with us to this very day. They did good work, but I think it's a rather unfortunate rendering because nobody reads it. Numbers. Who wants to read it? It's like reading a phone book. Many think. That's the book to be skipped, not studied. And then I found out as I began to study it that that's not its name at all. 
In fact, the Hebrew custom in naming the books of the Bible is to take the name of the book from a phrase, usually in one of the opening verses of the book. That is exactly the case here in this book of so-called numbers. If you look to the first verse, Numbers chapter 1, verse 1, we read, Then the Lord spoke to Moses... Get this phrase in the wilderness. One word in Hebrew, Bemid Bar. It means in the wilderness. And that, in fact, is the original name for the book of Numbers in the wilderness. And if you can focus on that much more accurate name, you will be, I think, more potentially enthused about studying the book. It's not just an arbitrary collection of numbers. It's not God testing our commitment to his word to see how long we will endure uh, this endless succession of lists of numbers. Oh, no, it's about Israel journeying in the wilderness That's an accurate description, you see, of the principal theme of the book. It's about Israel in the wilderness. But it is not merely a book of Hebrew history. I don't think we would be justified in asking for your attention if it was only that. No, no, not just Hebrew history, not just a book about an ancient people, a book about today's people the people of God, just as much as it pertained then to Israel. You see, Israel was in the course of her wilderness wanderings, but so too are we. Israel had been saved, if you will. She was in bondage to a cruel taskmaster in Egypt, Pharaoh. You know, he he was called Pharaoh. And she could not free herself through her own strength from his enslavement. So she cried out to God for deliverance. And he heard and sent a deliverer, namely Moses. And so Egypt enslavement for Israel in the book of Numbers is in the past. She's been delivered. She's been saved. She's not where she once was. And yet, on the other hand, she's not where she wishes to be. She's in transition. She's set free from enslavement. She's been delivered, but she's not yet to the place of promise. She's in the course of getting there. She's in between. She's in the wilderness. And folks, so too are you if you are a Christian. And so if you're wondering why you're just a tad bit uncomfortable with life, it's because you're an in-betweener just like Israel. Uh, The past is no longer your home. You're not at home with it anymore. You've been set free from bondage to sin, a cruel taskmaster. In so many words, you did what Israel did. You cried out for deliverance. In so many words, God heard your heart cry and he sent the deliverer. No, not, not, not Moses. He's just a foreshadow of the ultimate deliverer whose name is 
Yeah, his name is Jesus, a far, a far greater deliverer. So, so, so you're no longer here, uh, uh, but you're not quite there yet. You, 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 you know, that old life is not you anymore. It doesn't fit. You're not comfortable with it anymore. What used to be pleasurable now is quite painful to you. You've been set free from it. You don't want to go back there. You're en route. And you know what your final destination is. It, too, is a place of promise. Uh, we refer to it as uh, heaven. But, 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 but you're not there yet. So, so you're in transition. You're, you're making your way through the wilderness. And so just that title of the popularly known book of Numbers explains life to me and why it's stressful, uncomfortable, sometimes unsatisfying, and distasteful. I just found out, oh, I'm not supposed to feel at home here. I'm in the wilderness. I'm passing through. And so this is not just a book about ancient Israel. This is a a book about the modern-day church of the Lord Jesus Christ as it makes its way in its wilderness journeys through the throes of life and are to our land of promise. And so you see this book, which was written probably 3,400 years ago, about 1,400 years before the time of the incarnation or enfleshment of the Lord Jesus, about 3,400 years old, it still has relevance to our situation today. I mean, how did Israel do in her wilderness wanderings? Did she do good? How are we doing in ours? Do you think we can do better than Israel did, ancient Israel, in her wilderness wanderings? One of the ways in which we can do better is to see where she did not, is to see where she went wrong in her wilderness wanderings. In fact, There is a book in the New Testament written by Paul to a group of Christians at a place called Corinth, 1 Corinthians. And I would like to ask you to turn there just for a second. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians 10. And I found in 1 Corinthians 10 a a reason for a diligent study of the book known as In the Wilderness the book of Numbers. And it's as if God, by anticipation, knew that many of us maybe would not be encouraged to read it. And so he gave us motivation for studying it in, of all places, 1 Corinthians 10. Would you look at verse 6? Just one phrase. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6. Can you see where it says, Now these things occurred as examples. Well, what things? If you were to take the time to read beyond verse 6, you will find a list of key events that occurred in the book of Numbers. And so Paul, writing under inspiration to the Corinthians, is saying, you all ought to read the book of Numbers because these things, the things in the book of Numbers, were written for our instruction. Let me develop this a little more. While you're in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, uh, uh, can, you, can you back up to verse 1? Take a look at verse 1. 
Paul is writing and he says to the Corinthians, for I, I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, so we know, we know he's writing to Christians, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. He's referring to the Israelites. They were led by God, weren't they? During their wilderness wanderings by a pillar of cloud by day and of fire by night. Do you remember reading about that in the Old Testament? So that's what he's referring to. Our forefathers were under the cloud and they passed through the sea. Do do, do you remember when God dried up the sea for them? When Pharaoh's army uh, was approaching them, God miraculously spoke into existence dryness, pardon Part of the sea. That's what Paul is referring to there. They, the ancient Israelites, Paul is saying. Remember, he says, they had their salvation and they had God's guidance. And so too do we. As Christians, we have been saved. We have been delivered. And we also have, in our wilderness journey, his guidance. Now, verse 2. They were all baptized. Interesting. So that's not just a a modern-day church practice, is it? Church concept. They, the ancient Israelites, were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. No, not a baptism by water, as we so wonderfully saw two people uh, engage in just a few moments ago. No, no, not water baptism. The word means to identify, to publicly attach to connect unashamedly as a witness to others with someone. The ancient Israelites did this. They publicly identified themselves with Moses as their spiritual leader in the cloud and in the sea. Well, what do we do when we are baptized? As we saw these wonderful uh, ladies this evening, even without a word, they're saying... I publicly declare to you that I identify myself, no, no, not with Moses as my spiritual leader, but with Jesus as my Savior. See, so they were baptized into public identification with Moses. It's a parallel, a foreshadowing of our public identification through baptism with our leader, the Lord Jesus. Verse 3, they all ate the same spiritual food, was called manna in the wilderness. Not spiritual in the sense that it had no material nature. Spiritual in the sense that it didn't come from human ingenuity. No one produced it. In fact, manna means, what is it? When God provided it, since it was so supernaturally provided, it had never been seen before. When the recipients of it saw it and partook of it, they said, manna, ma. What? What is it? (laughs) They didn't know. It was spiritual. It wasn't through natural intervention and resourcefulness that they were sustained in their wilderness journey because they were provided with spiritual food and they drank the same spiritual drink. They're in the desert. They're in the wilderness, during which time the most valuable commodity is water. What are they going to do? They need not water in the spiritual sense as if it doesn't exist. They needed actual water, but provided supernaturally because by nature they would be in a parched land. And they were provided with the water such that they drank the same spiritual drink 
for they drank, get this, from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Now, wait just a second. They drank of water from the spiritual rock, and that rock was Christ. That's what it says in the New Testament, right? We're reading this right here. That rock was Yeah, but, 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 but some people uh, believe that Jesus is just a created being. Yeah, I mean, after all, don't we celebrate his birth on Christmas? Implying he didn't exist before then. That's what some say. You know, he's the baby Jesus. He came into existence on Christmas Day. But but that flies in the face of what I'm reading here. That rock, way back when, during Israel's wilderness wanderings, was Christ. So way before the so-called Christmas event, <laughs> way before he was baby Jesus, born in a manger, he existed. This little phrase is one of the most uh, clear and powerful statements of the pre-existence of the Lord Jesus Christ. You came into being. So did I. He did not, because he always was, is, and evermore shall be. See, these are the attributes of God. No beginning, no end. The same Jesus who took care of Israel in her wilderness wanderings 3,400 years ago is the same Jesus available to take care of us, to nourish us with spiritual food and drink today in our spiritual wanderings because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever more. Verse 5 says, nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. In fact, their bodies were scattered over the desert. Wow. The Israelites were redeemed by God's mercy. They were sustained by God's grace. But apparently this did not make them immune to temptation in the wilderness. So they gave into it. Many of them in their wilderness journey gave into idolatry. And along with idolatry, pretty grotesque immorality. It could happen. You could be uh, fully a recipient of God's grace and mercy. And yet in your wilderness wanderings, be tempted to make the wrong turn here or there. And to lean on what is not the true God, in other words, idolatry, or to satisfy uh, one's own needs outside of his will, perhaps through, through immorality. God was not pleased with most of them. You know what is a terrifying thought? I wonder if the same could be said with most of them who fill our churches today. I wonder if the same could be said of me. See, these things were written for our instruction. I want to be instructed by Israel in her wilderness wanderings. I want to learn from her mistakes. She was set free by God's mercy. She was guided by God's grace. And she turned away from him terribly <laughs> to do her own thing. What about me? What about you? I'm fully saved. 
I've been guided and directed by God since the moment of salvation. And I have the same human inclination to give in to sin's temptation, beckoning to me almost on every front as I make my way through the wilderness wanderings. What are we going to do, people of God? We better get on our knees and pray. We better say, oh God, your spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. You better not think too highly of yourself. You better not ever say when you hear of someone falling into sin, that will never happen to me. You better not ever say that. You better say, oh God, but for your grace, that would be me too. And another thing you better do, you better commit to a local fellowship, if not this one, then one, to the hilt like never before because you can't make it in the wilderness alone. And neither can I. You wander and there is no one to call you back on the path. And you can't even find your own way back. We need each other. Could I tell you something? If we happen to like each other, that's just a bonus. But that's irrelevant. It's more important. than We're not an association of people who like each other. It's much more critical than that. We're an association of people who desperately need each other. God did not save us out of the world into a vacuum. He saved us out of the world into his family, which is known as the church of Jesus Christ. It exists around the world, but is organized in local fellowships like this one. This is a local association of fellow wanderers. You're not supposed to be wandering in the desert alone. This is really, 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 I beseech you. We are on the verge uh, of a very exciting opportunity to see God do what we're not able to do. And that is to get us into that new building in a timely way. We'll get into the building. That's not the issue. And the confirmation of it, from my point of view, and I'm sure yours, is that God has already provided $20 million debt-free in this economy. Could you please explain that to me? That didn't come through anyone's wit or wisdom. That came through Almighty God entrusting us, showing us his favor. And the marvelous people of this church, who as they wander through the wilderness, follow the leader. So that, to me, is a down payment of God's faithfulness. And so what uh, is yet uh, to be required to uh, enable us to be in the building within a year is not possible. It's just not possible from a human point of view. That makes me smile because now we get to see God work. Because now we wouldn't dare say, look what we've done on that first marvelous worship Sunday. We wouldn't dare say, look how good we are. Oh, my goodness. Even the most reserved of us is going to probably shout, Hallelujah, Lord Jesus, bread of life. Look what you have done. So we need each other to make that happen. You want to know a scary thought? People here... Like the Israelites, I don't want to hurt anybody, but I must tell you, may prove themselves to be displeasing to God. 
I didn't say unsaved. I didn't say forfeit salvation. But even a believer can forfeit the joy of salvation. You know what happened to these Israelites in the wilderness? Oh, my goodness. God was not pleased with them. That doesn't mean he put them back in Egypt. Oh, no. They didn't lose their salvation, but they lost the joy of their salvation. Do you know what that's like? Have you been, you, sure you do. That's what happens when we wander. You lose the joy of salvation. You lose the peace of salvation. And here's another thing. I don't want to scare you, but it's true. You lose rewards. There'll come a day when we stand before the Lord Jesus and he disseminates deeds. It's very clear. It says according to their deeds in the body. In the body. This association of believers. Some people think the church is not relevant today. What? Relevant? It's more relevant than in any other day. There's no hope for the world, but the community of followers of the Lord Jesus Christ organized for his glory. Are you What are you putting your hope in? The United Nations or something like it's the church more than ever. And so there could come a day even for us just as a local body, just part of the universal body of Christ. When we're in that new building and we're hearing, hearing our pastor uh, uh, preach to us and share his heart. And, and we're singing songs and, and we're, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe one or two are going to raise their hands. I don't know. It could, I don't know. Could, I mean, we're going to rejoice. And You know, one of the things that bothers me, I don't want to be one who's left out. It's kind of selfish, isn't it? A little bit. I want to be invited to the party. I want to be on the celebration. Could I encourage you? Dig in with a level of commitment in service, in prayer, in financial giving like never, never, never before. It's what we do. In our wilderness, we do it together for the glory. So he was not displeased with some. And it says in verse 6, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Folks, they had God's promise of entrance into their promised land. But how did they conduct themselves on the journey there? But wait, let's not point the finger at ancient Israel. We too have God's promise of entrance into our promised land. Heaven, how are we conducting ourselves here and there? They were in-betweeners. They were in between the time of their deliverance and the time of their arrival at their ultimate destination. And we too are in-betweeners. We're in between the time of our deliverance from the penalty of sin and the time of our arrival at our ultimate destination, which is, which is heaven. How are we living in this transition time? What are we investing in? What are we committed to? God gave Israel instructions for her journey because she needed them and she didn't obey them. But he gave ample instructions for her wilderness journey in this book of Numbers. And God, too, has given us instructions down to this very day from the same book. And so I think we could refer to it as God's manual for our wilderness walk. And so this is the theme of numbers, walking, moving, progressing, following, 
the leader together. Are you walking or are you stagnating? Are you following or are you playing games? Don't do this to yourself. Don't do this to yourself. Experience, if you have it, the joy of salvation. Walk, walk, walk. That's the theme of numbers. Israel walked in circles for how many years in the wilderness? Forty. You know how long it could have taken them to get into their land of promise? Eleven days. Forty years. Walking around in circles, walking around. They didn't read the book. They didn't follow the, they didn't follow the, I hope we make better progress than Israel did. But here's good news. Really good news. In spite of us, did you know God is committed to bringing every one of his kids home? If you are one of his kids, uh, by faith in the Lord Jesus, you're going to make some wrong turns in the wilderness. You're going to stumble, but God is committed to bringing you home. The wilderness, you see, from God's point of view, is never God's destination for his kids. No. He's always intent on bringing us through the wilderness until we get to our final destination, our land of promise. There is not a parcel of land. It's heaven. The wilderness that we are experiencing now is designed to be a temporary place. It's a place to move through, not a place to live in. This life is temporary as well. God is committed to bringing us home. What kind of investments in eternity are you making with your life right now? Don't just go to church. Come on. Don't do that. Be the church. Own into this church. Own in to this church. Be a part. Serve. Pray. Give. Own into it. Before we get to our land of promise, as with Israel, we've got a lot of baggage that has to be left behind, don't we? Lots of patterns of thinking and behavior that have to be broken and replaced. You see, Israel was a previously enslaved people. How do you get enslaved people to be formed into a promised land people? Well, you need the wilderness journey. And that's happening to us. We have been an enslaved people, enslaved to sin. We had no capacity to say no to it. If it felt good, we did it. How does God take us from that kind of enslaved people to a people of promise on our way? Royalty on our way to the promise. Well, it's, gonna, it's the wilderness journey. And that's what's happening in our life now. That's why it hurts. We're being pruned. We're being readied for kingdom culture. It's a good thing. So do you hurt? Welcome to the normal Christian life. The journey hurts. Do you wonder what's going on? Welcome to the wilderness journey. Do you question what God is doing? Do you question where he is taking you? He's taking you home. But not until the walk through the wilderness is completed. Until then, my fellow wilderness wanderers, let's walk. One stumbles. Let's be there to lift that one up. We'll need lifted up. Let's keep walking. How are we going to make it home? How are we going to keep walking? The book of Numbers will tell us how. Numbers? Oh, no.
It's God's manual for successful walking through the wilderness during this journey we call life. It's one of the most relevant, practical, strikingly appropriate for the day books of the Bible. If the Lord tarries, we'll get through it. And it'll help us get through this wilderness. Lord Jesus, thank you for the past. It's past. We're free. Thank you for the future. It is our hope. Thank you for the present. Pruning, abiding, walking, changing, growing, maturing, becoming more like you. Thank you for your interest in our life. Thank you for providing for us even in this wilderness journey. Spiritual sustenance. You, Lord Jesus, are the bread of life. Thank you for giving us one another. This is a family, the family, the community of God. Would you give us an increasing commitment to it and love for it in the days ahead? Help us, each of us, to make it through the wilderness the shortest, quickest way possible. Lord Jesus, you are our leader. We will follow you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.